Baye McNeil in Tokyo. Thanks so much for joining again, Baye. You're welcome, JJ. Thanks for having me. Hi, thanks for joining. I'm JJ Walsh. I'm based in Hiroshima, Japan. I work as a sustainability-focused consultant for businesses and the travel industry here. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, check out inboundambassador.com. And you can also find me on buymeacoffee.com slash JJ Walsh to get some bonus information and insights from the series. So it's pretty crazy. I was uh, reviewing our first talk last year. It was June of last year. It was. So almost a year. And it really seems like a lot has happened in the world since then, wouldn't you say? Yeah, the world has changed completely. <laughs> it's a whole other planet now, for real. Ah, so uh, first to introduce you to the audience, you gave a really great intro last time. Uh, let's see if I can read this on screen. So born and raised in Brooklyn, New York, a journalist, author, and lecturer. Upon arriving in Japan in 2004, McNeil began teaching and later began his blog, Local in Yokohama, which covered life in Japan from a Black New Yorker's perspective in 2014. Baye was hired as a columnist for the Japan Times. His column, Black Eye, raises awareness of Black people and activities in the profile and perception of Blackness in Japan. Nice to do a proper profile intro. Anything to add? Anything missing? Um, new homeowner. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that first, because that's a really recent, exciting. We mentioned that you had just bought the land last year. That's right. I just bought the land, and we moved in January eighth. So we've been living here. Wow, you got pictures. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we moved in January 8th, and um, so that makes it four months and three days. And uh, Mickey, that's my wife, DIY. You got pictures of my wife, and um, she's a DIY queen, and she's been doing so many amazing things in this house. I'm just along for the ride and paying the bills. Amazing, <laughs> but, uh, Remodeling old homes is something we talk about a lot in this series. It's a very popular topic. But you actually built a new home, but she's still doing DIY projects like the fence there. She's very impressive. She is very impressive. I'm, I really lucked up. Hey, Clinton, how you doing, man? So, yeah, yeah, I really lucked up. She's, she's, uh, she's doing amazing stuff right now. She's... Ah, yeah, what, what you see in the pictures there, she's going to be building our fencing. Yeah, she's doing the fencing, and I, I can't wait to see what it looks like. I can't imagine. <laughs> That's awesome. It's great to have at least one person in the in the family who can do DIY stuff. It's always handy. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> now, it's like I'm married to the super. <laughs> hey, if something breaks, you know who who you're gonna ask to fix it. It's awesome. Who are you gonna call? <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, last time we were introducing your book. Hello, hi, my name is Loco, and I'm a racist. And you have some exciting news. You've been in the studio. I have been in the studio. Yes, we. Um, 
I'm in the process of producing an audiobook version of uh, Hi, My Name is Loco and I'm a Racist. So I'm very excited about that. It's coming together very nicely. And I've also been recording some some extras for the audiobook with uh, people who were in the book, characters from the book, characters. These are real people, but I'm calling them characters. But there are people who were in the book who agreed to to come in and kind of talk about some of the things that were discussed in the book, you know, in relation to their, you know, the, the chapters that they appeared in. So I'm very excited about that. I've already, I've already done three of these records. I have two more lined up, so it's coming together nicely. Also, the Japanese version of Hi, My Name is yes. Loco and I'm a Racist is coming out this fall. And that's still, that that's being translated as we speak by a, a Japanese translator. And um, I'm very excited about that as well. So, yeah, those are two the two big major projects in addition to the home uh, for this year. So that's, that's awesome. been keeping me busy. Yeah, congratulations. That's Thank great you very much. Thank progress you very much. on... An already successful, very popular book, but this is the the next level, leveling up. And yes. I, I love I love how in this picture where you're smiling right next to me and you're saying it was funnier than you remembered that you guys were cracking up and so it took you longer to record it. Yeah, it's it's a different experience. It's a different experience when you're writing the work, when you're reading the work, and when you're reading the work aloud. This is something I, 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 most of these chapters, I mean, of course, when I do readings, I've read aloud certain chapters. I usually read the same chapter over and over because I got it, you know, worked out to a certain rhythm and stuff. But some of this stuff I've never read aloud. So, yeah, it's, it was really, uh, you know, it's like, it was like rediscovering my own work. <laughs> Can so you give us cool. a hint about which part was cracking you up? Um, well, it was the chapter with uh, the the Kiwi, the Aussie, and uh, Colored Guy, and um, that's chapter two. So yeah, just reading that just cracked me up. <laughs> it, really. it, it reminded it reminded me of my early twenties when I first came to Japan. That part and how you guys were all sharing the same flat and all the nonsense you were up to, right? Yeah, yeah, a lot of nonsense up in there. <laughs> So is it completely autobiographical or is it fiction? Where? Which book? The the first book that you're doing the audio. Uh, actually, I haven't written any fiction books yet. It's all nonfiction. Yeah. Yeah, pretty wild. And it's a, for people who don't know uh, this book yet, this it covers uh, your time a bit in America before coming to Japan as well as uh like your first years in Japan yes. and and some of the racial inequality um, issues that you then have written about in Japan Times and other articles and columns and appearances, right? Exactly. Yeah. I've written, I wrote, there was uh, chapters on some of my experiences in the university. What is this? Is this spam? I think, I think that's spam. I'm going to mute. Okay. All right. So hopefully they'll go away. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, yeah. So, sorry. Go ahead. Um, there was uh, there's chapters on um, some of my experiences growing up in the school I went to when I was a child. My elementary school it was a, a private school. There's chapters on 
Um, my experiences with the 5%. Um, there's a chapter on my experiences in the military and also dating my first interracial relationship. So yeah, there's um, a lot of stuff dealing with the U.S. as well. So may, I would say maybe 50% of the book is in the U.S. and 50% is takes place here in, in Japan. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of your recent articles that have come out. Uh, you had an article in, only in Japanese, I believe, with Toyo Keizai. Is that right? Several. I, I'm a regular contributor there for the last couple of years. So, yeah, I got a lot of articles in Japanese there. If, if anyone reads Japanese, please, you know, look uh, for Bae McNeil on Toyo Keiza. I got about a good 15, 20 articles there, so check them out yeah, on, I, on a number of a range of topics. Uh, I, I read the one about labels right. and be careful when you're you and maybe think more carefully when using labels. Um, can you like give us a summary of that? Um, essentially what I was saying, what is this? I'm trying to ignore yeah. it, but it keeps popping up in my face. I know. I'm trying to mute it. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, essentially what it was about was, um, um, there's a tendency in Japan to, and not just Japan in, in many different countries, but there's a tendency, there's a tendency to, to, to place labels on things um, to, in order to simplify things that shouldn't be simplified, like um, people. Um, for example, you know, um, there's people from, from African, various African countries, people from all over the world of African descent, but to label them all, to, 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 to place them all under this label of cocogene in itself is problematic, but then there's certain um, certain characteristics that are attached to that label that people will attach to anyone they that they attach that label to. That makes it you know that exacerbates the problematic aspects of labeling. So that's what the article was about. How that can be problematic? Not that it necessarily is going to stop overnight, but it should be something that people think about before they do. Think about how you know the kind of ramifications um, that could. Happen have on the society and how that can lead to um, um, stereotyping and discrimination, segregation, that kind of thing. That's what it was about though. Just to, just yeah. to, just to, something to encourage people to think about what they're doing before they do it. Cause I don't think there's much thought that goes into it. I think that um, here we are talking, we're talking about Japan. So I think here, I think um, there's, there's, it's being done without any malintent, you know, it's just like, oh, this is, you're black, you know, it's just that simple, but it's not that simple. And the fact that you think it's that simple is problematic. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, there was a part in the article where you're, you're recounting uh, kind of when you blew up um, working at a school and is uh, you were being referred to as the black guy or the foreigner and and you said hey you know that's not okay and uh they said what should we call you <laughs> and, and you said how about my name yeah let's let's try let's try that on for size and then you know we can work from there yeah you know <laughs> i mean because there's so i think there's there's 
you know, and it's not just Japan, of course. I, hate, I always try to put that disclaimer in because people feel like, you know, I'm unfairly targeting Japan. But there is a tendency to not even be able to think outside of the label, you know. And if, when they when they think when 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 uh, when they're interacting with non-Japanese, you know, they're always trying to find a label. What label do I attach to this person? You know, Hafu or Gaijin or Kokujin. Or they're trying to find which label is suitable for this person. Well, he has brown skin, so let's use Kokujin. Oh, he has white skin, so let's use Gaijin. Oh, he looks kind of Japanese. Let's call him Hafu. So they're trying to find a label that fits you, and then they can attach all the, all the information they have about that label to you. And then they can work with you with this 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 shorthand, this this kind of social shorthand that they're working with, and it's so problematic. And I just think it needed to be addressed. You know, not that I think it's necessarily racist, but it could lead to some really racist behavior if not checked. Yeah, no, really important to think about. And uh, the last time we were talking about your uh, interaction with NHK and um, how. You didn't see any blackface happening after 2018, so you felt like there was some progress. And I saw in um, Japan Times, you also had an article talking about uh, Martin Luther King, and you felt that there was a sense of progress, maybe because of the Black Lives Movement and there was some momentum there. Are you still feeling that way? How are you feeling now? Um. <laughs> There, there has been some progress. Yeah, definitely some progress. I mean, in particular, after the situation that occurred with NHK, with the uh, that very uh, problematic artwork, uh, that that anime segment that to explain BLM that didn't have any um, mention of the fact that this police officer had killed this black man. So that um, after that. I think that that at least woke up NHK, which is kind of they're 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 really kind of a leader in media here. You know, I think maybe other stations will follow that lead, hopefully. Um, and what they've done since then is had various programs dealing with, like for example, they had one of the founders of Black Lives Matters on there, on on, uh, on a program on NHK, as well as um, a program that was dedicated to some of the. Um, bullying and other problems that biracial Japanese experience here and this kind of thing. So they, they, they've, they've taken to addressing social issues and that's progress. That's progress. And um, I don't know that how much it's going to continue, but if I have any say in it, it's going, <laughs> it's going to keep going indefinitely. You know, I mean, when I went and did a presentation there to tell them how they could uh, improve one of the things I mentioned was that they need to have something ongoing. You know, they can't, they can't, you know, do a one-off and think that's going to, you know, um, appease us. You know, I think that if you don't keep it going, it's going to, you know, the same problems are going to resurface because that's how that's been the, the trend so far. I mean, for example, you, if you look back in the eighties, you had people protesting against some of the racialized behavior in the media here, even back then. You know, I mean, for example, um, um, there was certain. I'm trying to remember the name of the, the brand. You know, the, um, what's the that that soft drink? The white soft drink. Calpis. Calpis, right? Their original branding was this blackface character, 
This is back in the 80s. And there was a major protest here to get that removed. So ever since then, they've known that blackface has been problematic to the point where they rebranded Calpisa. Now, here we are dealing with blackface again, you know, 20, 30 years later, 40 years later. So if you don't keep it going, people are going to forget and then it's going to resurface and we'll be doing the same nonsense, you know, addressing the same nonsense again 10, 15 years from now, if I'm still around, <laughs> you know, or the next generation of people come into Japan saying, hey, what's this blackface business? I'm like, oh, yeah, we talked about that 20 years ago, <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So they need to, you know, keep it, keep it going. So that you know the next generation of producers don't have to you know reinvent the wheel, they can just uh, you know learn from the, what the previous generation is is learning now. Yeah, uh, in the in the last talk you were it was just the Black Lives Movement, Black Lives Matter movement, and uh, demonstrations were just starting to happen in Japan, and you actually said in our last talk that that you felt quite giddy and excited about uh, how things were were changing and progress moving forward. Uh, since then, uh, Naomi Osaka has had a lot of influence. And I know you've written about Naomi Osaka in an op-ed on Washington Post, and as well as about Naomi in uh, Japan Times. She, she has such a public uh, stage and uh, so can you talk about her a little bit and how you think she might have helped well, move things forward? Because I, I, I was really admiring her courage and what she was doing. She is, uh, she's remarkable. She's incredible. I mean, I think what she's done is, is very, uh, is admirable. You know, an inspiration or two, because I think many, many of the younger people are watching what she's doing, how, how courageous she is to take on these these corporations and, you know, the, the naysayers and people, negative people who are telling her, oh, you're an athlete. Shut up and play tennis. We don't want to hear your ideas about how the world should be. Just play tennis and win and make us look good. And she's like, no, that's not enough. You know, I, I'll do my part, but Japan has to do its part. So she's taking a leadership role in these types of things. And that's. I can't say enough about it. She's great. She's really great. Um, and, and I think she's inspiring people because, you know, people are like, oh, wow, you know, why? Well, well, first of all, and, and this goes back to people like Ariana Miyamoto, who um, was Miss Universe Japan back in 2015. And when she emerged on the scene, there was talk about, you know, how can a, a black woman represent Japan, you know, on the world stage, because that's where she's going. After she won Miss Universe Japan, she was going to enter the, the the global competition. So she would be basically a black woman representing Japan. But Naomi's the next level of that, you know. <laughs> she's, you know, she's 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 representing Japan not only in the world of tennis, but now soon in the Olympic world. So it's it's going to uh Japan has to acknowledge and embrace the fact that as much as they want to hold on to this this idea of their of this country being homogenous and and um, isolated from the world and you know this type of thing where there's all these built-in excuses for their lagging behind in certain areas that's all that's all null and void now you know 
You got a black woman representing your country who's telling you, you know, who's leading you in the right direction. So just follow her, you know, see where it goes. If you don't like where she takes you, then you can, you know, you know, go back if you want to. But for the, for the time being, follow her lead because she's going in the right direction. She's leading you in the direction of recognizing the diversity that's already here. You know, she's leading you in the direction of, in a direction that's going to make the rest of the world really embrace Japan as this, you know, not this uh, um, sleeping kind of backward, you know, just ignorant prone country of uh, faux, faux pas prone country, you know, racist faux pas prone country to a country that's cognizant, that's, that's, that recognizes that um, it has a lot to learn and is, you know, ready to learn, you know, ready to, ready to, 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 to uh, take on the challenges that are, that is going to be facing in the years to come. And Naomi is right there in the, in the lead on that. I love her. <laughs> yeah, I think she's, that uh, she's awesome, and she's she's Korean. awesome. Yeah, she she represents Japan. She represents America. She represents black people. You know, Japanese people. It's you know, lots of respect. Awesome. Yeah, we are having spam problems. If anybody from HAPS would like to step in and block these people, I'm trying. Uh, please block them permanently. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, you also had another example, another athlete um, that you were talking about that you didn't realize that he was also getting racist comments and... I, I wonder how you can use your position and your connection to media in Japan um, to help people like him. He doesn't need any help. <laughs> <laughs> he does not need any help. That man is, come on. No, he doesn't need any help. He's a superstar. Japan needs help, not help. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it reminded me of you also were commenting on uh, Japan and the IOC has said no protesting at the Olympics. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I expect, I imagine, I don't know all the, 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 the Olympic rules and whatnot, but I expect that they say that every time. It's not, this can't be nothing new. But, you know, people are going to protest, so they're just saying it. They're just saying it to be saying it. I don't think this is a new rule, is it? Um, I, I I would imagine they've been afraid to, to for the politicization of the Olympics. is always going to be problematic. Yeah. So um, I, I can't imagine this is a new rule. But um, I think that you know, people are going to continue. Just like the Oscars. Nobody wants somebody to get an Oscar and start talking about their politics, but people do it. And people are going to do it in the Olympics too because it's a, it's something that's occurring on the world stage and it's a great opportunity to to, to address something that needs to be addressed. So I won't be, su be surprised if it happens. I'm going to be, su I, I would like to see how they're going to address it, how they're going to deal with it. Are they really going to be, you know, if, if, if Naomi Osaka wears a mask, you know, something like that with with some names of some slain children. Are they going to kick her out of the Olympics? I'd be curious to see how they're going to address it. So, but I, you know, I'm not surprised that they made that statement. That doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for commenting. 
Uh, he says, uh, looks like it's coming from YouTube. Yeah, I've just checked my YouTube. I can't seem to block it there either. Um, hopefully someone from HAPS will hear and come in and help us. Um, I'm guessing you both are simulcasting to YouTube. Yes, multicasting is what I usually do. But yeah, this is just another example of jerks. Jerks on YouTube. But this is what... This is what um this is this is what uh, um, Hachimura was talking about, you know, that he gets these types of comments every day. So this is just illustrating what he's talking about. I'm sure he, you know, every time he turns on Twitter, there's some clown like this on 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 Twitter saying something, some nonsense about him. So yeah, can't get away from it. I was just I just tweeted a little while ago that I don't I don't know if there's an increase in these types of. I saw that people you just, on you I. I we I don't know, but it just seems like there's more. Is it more? Or it just, I don't know. I think it might be more because people are more online now or people are maybe still on holidays or school holidays. Who knows? Oh, that's what it is? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, other articles, so we talked about the Tokyo Toyo Keizai one about labels, which I thought was really good. Um, can we talk about the Stop Asian Hate article that you did? I also, I thought that was great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, there was a, it was an incident that happened in the States, in New York, a matter of fact, where uh, there was a video, a video was captured of a, of a black guy just walking up to an Asian woman, just kind of beating her down, pummeling her to the ground, you know, and the people just watching it, not really assisting her. So it's kind of a, a black guy on New Yorkers, there's a black guy on black people. And I was concerned that um, as this, of course, um, we, we hope that this stuff, you know, ceases, comes to a cease, but in all likelihood, it's likely, you know, with, some so many people like this guy spamming on in the world. There's a there's a likelihood that it, it won't come to a cease, and that you know there will be con, you know additional attacks moving forward. And I'm concerned that you know at some point, because uh, right now I don't think Japan is especially concerned about it because it's not happening in Japan, and it's not. Of course, it has happened to Japanese Americans. Um, there was one gentleman who was killed, right? But um, I don't think that Japanese people are feeling it directly, but I think at some point they might, you know, let's say a tourist or someone visiting a Japanese national is harmed, you know, then it's gonna become this thing, you know, and because of, you know, what we were saying before with this coco gene business, if it's a coco gene involved, then that gonna, that's gonna tarnish all of us because of, you know, the, the understanding of what coco gene means, meaning that, you know, everybody, um, who who shares that that labeling is is um, likely to do something similarly, and uh, I want to make it clear that that's not the case, and that you need to um, think about that. You know, this is a person, the person who committed this atrocity. You know, this was the same. This was a this person is clearly not dealing with a, a full deck. You know, he killed his own mother. He spent years in the penitentiary system, which doesn't really unleash sane people on the in the out in the world after that you know amount of time in the in that system so anyway um it's uh that's what that that's what that story was about it was just kind of saying you know 
please yeah. just think about what you're doing before you, you know, before it comes to that, because I'm concerned about that. I remember when there was a, that rape that occurred in Okinawa, you know, a soldier had raped a, a Japanese woman there. And um, that, that kind of rubbed off on all of us here. We all kind of got painted with that same brush. There was a, I remember there was a killing of a taxi driver by a black guy here in Yokohama. He was, a taxi driver was killed, and that and that also got pinned on blackness, you know, in a way, you know. But that's how the media tends to do it, you know. And not just here; that happens in the states as well, you know. Whenever a minority commits a crime, the entire freaking group is 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 um, is pegged. So anyway, um, that's why I put that article out there, just to make people just think about it in advance. Of, of that type of, of that occurrence. Hopefully it doesn't happen, but um, better to be prepared. Yeah, your uh, comments actually in that article, it reminded me of, of watching Spike Lee's film, Do the Right Thing, in uh, which I think is based in Brooklyn as well, right? And uh, yeah. it's about uh, the black communities and all the shopkeepers were Asian. And a lot of people in the community felt like they weren't living there. They were just getting the money from the people. And oh, there yeah. was that kind of antagonistic feeling, right? Oh yeah. There was a there's a long the 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 relationship, the antagonistic relationship between um the Asian community and black community in the US is is it's old. It goes long, it goes way back. But I think that um if we actually thought about it, we have more in common then um then we then we uh recognize most often so i think that we you know we need to stop and, and think about these things and i think covid is making it more clear that that's the case you know because whereas i think that like i said in the article um when police when acts of police brutality occurred sometimes I saw that there were some people, Asian people who say, well, you know, I can understand why the police were, you know, turning on them like that because black people do have a tendency, you know, so they were, they were siding with the police and in cases of police brutality, which doesn't improve relations at all. But then, um, you know, they saw that that goes, the, you know, that could be that type of uh, ugliness can be aimed at any group in the U.S., any minority group, including Asians. And they seen that now and they saying, well, shit. <laughs> Sorry, I, I cursed. Is it okay. all, nah, and um, you know, I I think you know that's a, that was a awakening moment. That was a teachable moment for a lot of um, Asian Americans, and then I hopefully it can be a, a teachable moment for Japanese as well. So that's why I brought it up in that article. Yeah, um, I think you you had a quote from Martin Luther King: "Injustice against one group is against all groups." Um, and that's a really powerful statement and so true that you know what don't you often see this in around the world when you have groups which are disadvantaged and sometimes within the disadvantaged groups you see more infighting and people kind of turning on each other because kind of like fighting for scraps I, I visited the States in the end of 2019 and I was shocked to meet some black people, people of color, recent immigrants who were Trump supporters. And I just, I couldn't understand it. Yeah. You know? And I was like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah.
<laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. Now, um, last time we talked, you were actually kind of pro-Trump. And you said, uh, <laughs> if, if yep. Trump is creating this kind of positive change and empowering people, then you're all for him staying in power longer. Do you still feel like that? <laughs> um, people, you know, you know, I don't have that type of energy around me generally. I mean, I've seen sometimes on on Twitter somebody might leave a, a funky comment and stuff. But when I made that comment earlier about people in general, it wasn't about necessarily YouTube or anything like that. It was like it was just overall. You know, it just seems like there's a lot of like funky people all over the place now. And it just, yeah. I don't know, it just makes me sick to my stomach, really, just in general. It is, yeah. it is. And it, it just saps your your energy. Like it does. When, when someone is, a, what's that new term, gaslit? When someone gaslights you and you think they're for real and you go through the effort of responding and they're just having a go at you for entertainment. It's so yeah. awful. I hate it, it is awful. It's awful. It makes you, it disinclines you to to interact with the people who are genuine, you know, who genuinely want to 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 learn something. He's like, no, nah, this might be somebody trying to gaslight me. So now you're suspicious of everyone. And I think that's their intent. And, um, right. you know, and unfortunately, they're successful quite often because a lot of people just shut down. Like, I'm not being bothered with this foolishness. Forget this. It's not worth it. You know, and that's terrible. Well, that it stops. It stops the communication. It stops it does. the connection. It stops it does. the learning and progress and moving forward, which is the only benefit of social media, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. When you when you can have the good conversations, when you can get informed and enlightened, that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Annoying. It's it uh, par for the course, I guess. You got to take the good with the bad, right? I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. But then you can understand why people are like, I'm taking a break. I can't, I can't deal right now. It's too much. That's definitely, that's what I've been doing for the last uh, few months. I've been taking a break, you know, ever since after the, the, the NHK crisis nonsense, I just, you know, I, I took a break. I just started focusing on the house and, you know, keeping it small, focusing on my two projects that I that are underway. You know, pretty soon I gotta get back into the mix because now I gotta I gotta promote two products. You know, this audio book and the Japanese book in a language that I'm not fluent in. So that's gonna be fun. And uh, so yeah, I got I got some big work I have to do in the future. So I've been kind of, you know, just kind of kind of rest and focus my you know kind of. Get get charge myself, recharge for this uh, upcoming push I'm going to have to make. Yeah. So well, let's let's talk a little bit about the translation because this is a big deal. Your book translated into Japanese is going to reach the audience that you're writing about. How how are you feeling about it? Are you okay? And I, I'm, I'm I'm torn. I'm torn because when I wrote it, I wasn't writing it for Japanese readers originally right this was being written for primarily for for westerners i think um 
and, and to get the tone right, you gotta yeah. get the right tone. You gotta right. explain the nuance, which is so difficult when you're doing translation, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I think if I had been writing this material with a Japanese audience in mind, I would have written it differently. You know, because there's a lot of things that I wouldn't say we have a shorthand in the West, but there's a lot of things that are that are we know. You know, I don't have to explain, or if I do have to explain, that person is you know beyond my reach anyway. <laughs> but there's certain things I just don't have to explain, particularly to to um, or, um, Americans, for example. But I wasn't writing for an American American audience, but that would be the audience that would be. The, the audience that that needs the least explanation, but um, Japan, I think Japanese readers would probably need the most. You know, I'm talking about things that are just obscure over here. I, I think, particularly the, the the parts that take place in the U.S. Now, the parts that take place in Japan, they could probably wrap their minds around for the most part. Even though I put it in, I I, I couched it in language that might be <laughs> troubling for the. Uh, Japanese readers, if it's translated um, too, too, too true, too honestly, I'm not sure how I got. I've been, I've been in inter, I've been interacting with the translator, and I feel like he has a a grasp of what I need. It's not necessarily a straight translation, but an interpretation of the work into a language that's not going to um, that that's going to be comprehensible to and 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 well received by the Japanese reader, as opposed to, you know, in my, with my original tone in mind, which is because my original tone is a little abrasive, I would think, for a Japanese uh, audience. But for a Western audience, it was a, it was a necessary kind of, wake up, you know, this is, this is, this is, uh, you know, something that you need to be thinking about. But anyway, um, but the chapter, the subjects, the, the the areas of the book that took place in Japan, they're not of that nature. They they are just my um, how would I say this? I I was aware when I wrote them that because um, because originally much of the 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 parts of the book that took place in Japan, they were written on my blog initially. So they came from the blog to the book. So when I wrote them originally on the blog, I, I realized that there was going to be all kinds of readers, not just Westerners, but Japanese readers as well. So I was very careful with how I said a lot of things. You know, I was careful that, you know, because that's the best thing about blogging. You learn the diversity of the world through blogging. This blogging helped me become a, such a better, much a much better writer, you know, because in the comment areas, you get to learn you know, how your work is being received immediately, you know, and you can learn and, and modify your, 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 your tone accordingly, you know, post by post by post, you know, so I, I was able to, 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 to refine and, and, and mature my voice almost, you know, in real time. So that was great. So those, those posts um, that were included in the book, they were, they were tight. And they were, um, I think that peop any anyone from any particular culture or background will be able to to read them and not feel like this is an attack on Japan or on Japanese culture or Japanese people. This is just my observations as a, as a non-Japanese living here and how I 
view what was going on and how I perceived it and how I feel like things could be done differently or improved and whatnot. So I think those are going to be the easiest chapters for Japanese audience to 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 digest. But the the stuff that takes place in the states, I, I, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm 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 curious myself how that's going to be received. I'm, I'm not even, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah. But the person, the person doing the translation, you know, he's Japanese, so you know, he's you know, and not Westernized Japanese. He's Japanese, Japanese. So I think that, and and he read the book, and he's like, and and from conversation with him, he fully gets it, and he fully understands how, um, why I organized the book the way I did, you know, and and, and I think he understands how he could. Um, Present the, the material in a way that 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 the Japanese audience can fully um, understand where I'm coming from. I That's hope. interesting. Is there have you learned a lot about the differences in a Japanese novel um, through your translator? Has he been giving you some advice about maybe the style or the format, or is it just a translation kind of in the style originally that you wrote? Well. That's a, that's that's the question, right? I, I I can't read the Japanese, so I really can't answer that question except from what he tells me. And from what he tells me, it's um he he <laughs> once he's done, I'm gonna share it with some of my Japanese friends to try to before before it goes public. I'm gonna try to get some feedback from from a lot of my uh you know my peer editors, my peer readers. And, and and try to get you know an idea of how well he did what you're saying, but right now I can't really say, and I couldn't say even if I read the thing, you know, because my Japanese reading is 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 okay at best. Yeah, I I love this picture. You're going through the transcript over and over again, right? And going back and forth with him as he's translating. And how was it now that you've had some distance from when you originally wrote the book? How was it going through it again now to do the audiobook and to do the the translation? Um Say it again. I'm sorry. My, um, um, the question was kind of confusing. Say so, it again. So there's a bit of distance from our time distance. Oh, between um, when I wrote the book and now? Yeah. Okay. So how is it going through it for the audiobook, going through it for the translation? Are there things that you wish you had changed or yeah. you're pretty happy with it still? It's, it's hellish. It's hellish. Because I I am not the same person who wrote that book 10 years ago. I've I've grown since then leaps and bounds. And some of my ideas and some of my um, philosophy even, my approach to Japan has, has evolved since then. And um, but... I have to keep it true to the uh, the original, right? I can't just like, you know, <laughs> update my ideas. I, I, I and and the publisher wants me to keep it true to the original thing. So, you yeah. know, he's like paying the bills. They're paying the bills. There's some things that that I read, and I was kind of cringing because it's so sexist. 
some of the parts were so sexist. But that is is very honest and true to your situation when you came over in your 20s or just, you know, coming over and being excited at so much attention and stuff. And that's that's part of the story. But that must, you know, there must be certain things that are hard to read now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I cringe. I really cringe. But, um, and... And that's and I, I know which chapter you're talking about. It's um it's a very controversial chapter, but I think a lot of people respect me for going there because this is something that a lot of them, particularly the men, of course, the men here in Japan, who foreign men who come here, that they're that's the life they're living here. Yeah. I know for a fact. <laughs> and but nobody talks about it. Everybody kind of, you know, yeah. they were they're afraid to go there because it 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 deals with it deals with issues of racism. It deals with issues of misogyny. It deals with sexism. You know, sexist ideas, chauvinism, and you know all these kind of subjects that people are like. You know what? Let's just stick to um, you know temples and onsens and stuff like that. Let's not go there. You know, but but I'm I'm glad you did. I, I'm glad I did too. I don't regret it. It's just that you know. I I don't know how a Japanese readership is gonna <laughs> once they hear it put out there like that like oh you know what but you know it's like retaliate retaliatory dehumanization it's kind of you know that kind of idea maybe people are like what <laughs> what you know and that's where I went with the book because those are some of the feelings the complicated feelings I was you know feeling at that time it was just kind of you know, wow. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I, I expect I expect some controversy and controversy is not always a bad thing, especially for a book. No. And, so. you know, it's it'll be an interesting discussion, I think. Uh, yeah. Mary, Marianne has a great comment here. She says, it's all up to your translator, but being available for questions and advice will help him so much from she's a translator. So she appreciates that. Well, thank you, Marion. Yes, I am available for him, you know, if he needs advice and he has questions. So hopefully, yeah, that, that helps uh, improve the finished product. Yeah. <laughs> That's so interesting. And I, for one, am very excited to see the response once the whole issue about the empty seat is very clear to the Japanese audience. So there's certain parts of it that I'm I'm hoping will create a very positive discussion. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've gotten a preview of some of how that discussion might go because I, you know, I've done some articles that touch on that for, for Toyo Keizai, which is, you know, targeting a Japanese readership and more reflective of my current philosophy as opposed to <laughs> how I addressed it back then. And um, so I've, I've heard how um, a lot of people feel. And yeah, it's it's going to generate some 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 conversation if the book, you know, um, it, 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 if it does well, it's going to uh, definitely um, prompt some some interesting conversations. I'm, I'm eager to be a part of them. Well, I'm I'm hoping since you got this award for one of your articles, was that with Toyo Keizai? That was. That that's a really good sign that there is an openness or acceptance of these kind of ideas to be brought across. 
What do you think? Well, it wasn't a, it wasn't a re- award from the people, <laughs> from the readers. It was an award from the paper. So, um, so I I, um, I I don't know if that's a if that's a way to gauge how people are going to be receiving it. But I mean, in general, when I talk about these complicated issues, I think a Japanese response is very similar to the way um, a lot of the white Westerners have responded, which is more race talk. Do we have to keep talking about race? Come on. Can we talk about, you know, basketball or something like, you know, let's talk about something else. Change the subject. You know, it's that kind of thing. You know, it's like, I change the subject if police stop killing us and we stop, you know, having to deal with the repercussions of your mentality. Yeah, I change the subject. But, you know, that's just something that, you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. And the same thing here in Japan. Japan is even worse in Japan because they really don't even they think that most people are incapable of acknowledging the fact that there's racism here. They really think that this is a paradise and you should shut the hell up because no police officer is trying to kill you here. So why are you, you know, what are you talking about? So that kind of yeah. thing. That's that's Japan, and and that's the kind of comments that I see on on Yahoo and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on, yeah, we discriminate. People discriminate, you know. Yeah, we don't want to live next to you. That doesn't mean we hate you. We just, you know, you're noisy. <laughs> you're noisy. You don't take. You don't do. You don't handle your garbage well. You don't separate your garbage well. So, you know. So they're okay with labeling and stereotyping you, and but you know they're not okay with listening to you address how that's problematic and how that's diminishing your quality of life. Yeah, I think we talked about this last time too. It's such an important issue. Our home is in Japan. We live here. We're invested in this society and culture, and we want the best for this society and culture and any progress in terms of sexism, racism, moving forward in a positive and honest way with integrity is good for Japanese people. It's good for everybody who lives here. Um, So that argument, you know, I get it a lot when I complain about things could be more sustainable. Go back to America, you know, look how bad it is in other countries. Yes, that's true. You know, there are, you know, certainly countries and situations not as good, but I live here and I want Japan to be the best it can be because I love Japan. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. What you just said is my feeling exactly. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think that it's like some people feel it's not your place to, to, to address these issues. You're, you're a non-Japanese, you're, you're, you're a foreigner for life, you're a tourist for life, and you have no place, you know, in our affairs in that way. And I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, I, you know, I'm, I'm vested in this society. I'm a homeowner. I pay my taxes. I'm, you know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, bringing, I'm bringing up your tweet right here. To me, loving Japan... I love this. I'll I'll put it full screen. To me, loving Japan doesn't mean you overlook the flaws and refrain from calling her out on her bullshit. That's (laughs) not love. That's crazy. Loving Japan is making her best interest and well-being a priority in your life. 
I am as Japanese as I'll ever be. Japan is my love and my home. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you're, you. You're a great writer. You're a talented writer. Thank you. You should keep doing that. I shall. <laughs> I think I will. Thank you for the advice. I think I will. Yeah, I'll keep it up. <laughs> That's, that, I think my writing is sustainable. Yes. Yes. And your, your comment about writing the blog and how that made you a better writer. And I think last time we were talking about how you're an avid reader. You read 30, 40 books a year, and that makes you a better writer. Um, is there any other advice you would give to any people who would like to be better writers out there? Um, what did I say before? Just read, write too. <laughs> well, you know, like I mentioned earlier about the blog, I think blogging, and I know it's like, um, I don't know how the, I don't know much about the blogging world now, but um, when I was blogging, it, it served several purposes. One, it's kind of like exercise. You know, you you're 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 exercising that 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 writing muscle. It needs to be exercised, just like any other muscle. Um, so that's one purpose it served. Second purpose is, like I like I mentioned, that it it enables you to to refine and mature your voice, interacting with an, an audience. You know, so you can get a uh, a better idea of of how your work is going to be received, and then um, the third one, the third uh, the third um, objective I had with blogging was eventually to reach the attention of some of the gatekeepers and editors and and publishers out there, and that's exactly what happened. Japan Times came a knocking, and you know, so yeah, just write for free, you know, because I wasn't making any money on this blog. So don't be thinking about making any money because generally once you start trying to monetize your blog, is people are going to get turned off by that or it's going to shift your focus a little bit. Just focus on being creative, writing consistently and and keep that up for a while and, and focus on the kind of feedback you're getting, you know, write work that generates, you know, hopefully you'll be able to generate some feedback. But um Write about the things that you care about. Write about things that 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 impact your life. That you know, not necessarily things that you know, but things that you know, things that you feel. You know, things that you that 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 evoke an emotion within you. Because if it evokes your emotion from you, there's a good chance it's going to evoke emotions from other people too. Because we're all kind of linked in that way. And um, just do that, and that will improve your writing. I guarantee it. Yeah. Isn't that something that uh, you often hear from writers is uh, you can't stop yourself. Like you just have to get it out. When you see something that evokes a response, that's the time to write and share it and hopefully create discussion. Is that kind of how you feel? I do feel that way. I think that, um, however, you got to be careful with that. <laughs> I, I guess it depends on, well, you know what? It's, it's up to you, actually, because I've seen it work out when people, when what when what occurs to you as important, what evokes emotion from you just happens to be some really outlandish, outrageous stuff, and people just put it out there, you know, for public consumption. But sometimes, you know, people, 
respond well to the crazy. So I, there's no way to tell you, you know, what you should and shouldn't put out there. Just do follow your feelings, follow your instincts, and um, and be courageous. You know, don't be afraid. Whenever you feel like fear is telling you don't do something, question that shit. Just question it. Not that fear is a bad thing. I mean, of course, you know, fear can save your ass sometimes. But um, you know, question. When you, when whenever you're afraid to say something, you know, somebody makes you afraid to speak your mind and speak your heart and speak what you feel is truth, you know, question that shit. Yeah. And that's, I think the original title I had for today's talk was speaking, speaking out, speaking truth to the media in Japan. I think the, the media, I mean, you've done that so often and with such success, the media in Japan often has kind of a, a reputation of not really being a free press. And, <laughs> um, you know, so if you can make any inroads with the media in Japan, I think that that's progress. You feel like you've kind of been able to make some progress? Yeah, definitely made some progress. But then, you know, there have been some setbacks, too. You know, it's hard to really, it's hard to really gauge whether you've, it's difficult to say, actually. I should, let me read, let me back, backtrack a little bit. It's difficult to say. I mean, I addressed blackface and then there hasn't been any blackface in media since the last time I addressed it. So I feel like, oh, maybe I had a part. I played a role in the ending blackface in Japan as far as the major media is concerned. But that could end next week. Some knucklehead producer doesn't know anything about what I did two, three years ago. And then they're going to put, you know, so it, everything has to be taken with a little, you know. And, and also, and also, for example, I, I was invited to, to TBS to do a presentation there about why blackface is problematic. And I went down there and I, you know, I gave them a, a major presentation. It was so it was so well received that they even televised it. So it was that wow. type of thing. The next year, they had a white supremacist on there explaining Black Lives Matters. That's Japanese television. You never know what you're going to get from these guys. So I think you got to keep pushing them. You know, people say, oh, why you keep doing it? Because they, they had a white supremacist explaining Black Lives Matter to Japanese people. That's why I'm talking about race. You know, because if I don't, a white supremacist is going to do it for us. You know, somebody has to do it who knows the fuck they're talking about and cares you know, about black lives. So anyway, don't get me uptight. Don't get me started. The, the media here, the, you know, even even NHK, um, one year, when 2000, uh, in 2019, oh, 2020, 2019, um, they did this beautiful segment on the the, the relation, well, the, some of the, the parallels between the, the experience of Bolakumi here in Japan and the experience of people of African descent in the U.S. And there are a lot of parallels I learned while filming that particular um, program. And it won the Japanese equivalent of an Emmy Award. So it was very well received. And I was like, wow, all right. And then the following year, NHK did that <laughs> nonsense with the explanation of Black Lives Matters with the freaking rioters dancing in the streets and you know and that, you know what I'm saying so there's a lot of work to do there's a lot of work to do it there, there is no i don't know what an end point is i don't know when i can stop and say oh we've made progress this is 
you know, we we I can stop talking about this and whatnot, but I do feel like, for example, in 2015, when I started writing my column, Black um, Black Eye, at that time, there weren't really that many people here and um, there weren't really that many writers and, and content creators that were focused on um, addressing the ignorance gap here as far as information that Japanese have about people of African descent and what we're doing here, you know? So that void was filled with, you know, they're raping girls in, in, in Okinawa and shooting, you know, killing cab drivers in Yokohama. That void was filled by the Japanese media's idea of what kokujin means. And I said, someone needs to talk about what kokujin means from a, from a, from a black perspective. And that's why I started black guy. It was kind of a PR PR vehicle for for um, enriching the image of blackness here in Japan. That's why I started it. But since then, there have been a lot of YouTube channels like the Black Experience in Japan and all these types of. There's a lot of people now talking about and 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 um, um, showcasing and profiling people of African descent here and giving us more. There's there's more. Um, there's more platforms and more outlets for this information to get dispersed in Japanese and in English. That makes my job a lot easier. And I feel like I can slow down now. I don't have, I'm not the only one out here doing this. I feel great that I've encouraged, I've shown other people that it's okay. You don't have to be afraid to talk about blackness. Here. I think a lot of people were, a lot of people were like, let's, let's not rock the boat. You know, <laughs> let's not, you know, it's not anger to, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the people here. And I'm like, no, no, I think this boat needs a little rocking. I think um, things need to be shaken up a little bit, just a little bit, not too much, just a little bit, because um, there's some, some shit here that needs to be addressed. So I felt like I told, I, I gave people, I show people that it was okay. You know, you're not going to be castigated and hung, hung out to dry if you do address these types of things. And that's great. Yeah. That's progress. You know, so if, 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 if there's a, for me, that's the greatest sign of progress here in Japan that many people, many content creators feel like it's okay to talk about these types of issues, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I've, you know, since we were talking last time, I, there's the Black Creatives um, collaboration going on and trying to promote uh, different Black business people who are doing great businesses around Japan. Um, I think in the photo, uh, the program you were in, mm. in NHK, is it, she's in Curly and Kansai, one of the Oh, yeah. Women. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one girl. Yeah. Right. And there's, you know, there was a lot of very positive momentum in, in gathering people in the Kansai area for the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, they've done a lot of events since then. I, I had a chance to talk to Ayana Wise. That was a lovely conversation. Oh, yeah. She's, she's doing some great stuff. So I, it, it may be thanks to you, I would say, that people feel a bit more comfortable with getting getting out there you've you've been doing it in japan for a long time i have i have and um yeah i think i mean th i wasn't the first there was there were there were people before me i'm not saying i'm some type of pioneer in this type of area but um i i think i, I played a significant role in that so i'm 
I'm very, um, I'm proud of that. And uh, I'm, I'm gratified by the response. So, yeah. yeah. I had I had a chance in the series to talk to Karen Hill Anton. Oh, and, yeah. And she really paved a, a much easier path, not only maybe for Black people in Japan, but also for Western moms in Japan for, you know, like her column with the Japan Times was a real lifeline for a lot of international families, I know. So there's some great, you know, and then would you, would you encourage black people to come and live in Japan? Is it still an accepting and wonderful place to be? Accepting is a strong word. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's still a wonderful place. <laughs> it's still a wonderful place. Accepting is, um, we, we're gonna, we'll get there. We'll get yeah. there. But um, um, definitely a wonderful place, safe, a safe place. Uh, accepting, Lumo says. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> accepting the, the other, <laughs> the opposite. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's a very accepting place. <laughs> but I think, I mean, we, we have to be careful not to other all Japanese people as well. I'm not right? othering. I'm, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm so very careful with that. That's, cannot... one of the, that's one of the ways I've matured over the years, that I'm very careful to, 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 to put modifiers on everything I say, some and most and kind of, yeah. you know, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious that all the progress I've made in Japan has been with the assistance of my Japanese friends and family. So, no, in no way do I feel like it's a us versus them scenario. I think the problem is when we get into that us versus them mentality, and then it creates a dynamic that's never going to be resolvable. So let's, you know, I try to refrain from that as much as I can. And that wasn't always my position, particularly the summer times when I, when I was reading, when I was blogging. <laughs> so sometimes when I read that old stuff, I'm like, you know, but I don't want to delete it because I want people to see I've grown, you know, my growth over the years, you know. But then sometimes some people read that and say they don't realize that that was 10 years ago or 12 years ago. And then they're like, you said, you said, I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. So sometimes I want to just shut down that whole blog stuff because some of that stuff I, you know, I is cringeworthy, I, I would say. But a lot of it, I, I'm really proud. Of. Actually, I'm proud of all of it. I don't care. You know, it's just, yeah. That's who I. That's what I was thinking then, and this is what I'm thinking now. And you know, I've grown. It's where you came from, right? It's where I came from. So, um, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, yeah, I, I get it, and I, I often like many things. We have to keep ourselves in check too, right? Like what what we say is is meaningful to people listening around us. And what we do is also powerful. So trying to act in a way that we would like, it goes back to the Bible, do what you would like to have people do to you, right? Basically, you know, you treat people the way you want to be treated. I was talking before about um, um, just, yeah, just, yeah, just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm a better writer than a speaker, obviously. But um, you're a great speaker as well. well um, I think you. last time we were talking about your TEDx talk on on koto and mono. 
Yes, we were. Um, yeah, I mean, the TEDx talk, this was something I rehearsed so many times. You'd be like, really? You said that a thousand times? Yeah, maybe I said that talk a thousand times. So that was so well rehearsed. Right now, this is live, unfiltered, you know, raw. You know, the way I say the MTV, unplugged. This is unplugged me. Unplugged me is uh, not as eloquent as that TED talk. But um, I, I have moments of brilliance. You know, I, I think, yeah, some of the things that you've said tonight, you know, it comes from your practice of writing. It's in your head. Sometimes the, the magic of live is that it brings out certain responses that you, would, you wouldn't have thought of to write, right? This is true. This is true. I mean, um, even... When, when it's like freestyling, you know, like you see a rapper freestyle, sometimes what comes out is, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I said that. Let me write that down. You know? <laughs> yeah. It comes from your subconscious sometimes, it, it, right? Yeah, it comes from the subconscious. Some people think it comes from the, the spirit. That's where the word inspiration comes from, right. the spirit. So, yeah, I, I trust the spirit. You know, I'm not I'm not a religious person, but I believe in spirituality, and um, and I believe that there is a spirit that call it the muse, call it what you want, but it it it's a it's a factor in creative writing, and I respect that factor. You know, I don't ignore it. I don't think that writing is pure brain work. It ain't. You know, there's there's something else going on there, and Inspiration is a good word for it. Yeah. I yeah. think last last time you you were talking about how your mom was an activist in the 60s and 70s in the U.S. Right. Do you, do you come from any other writers in your family as well? Writers? No writers. Just activists. Writers in my family. No. I think I'm the only writer, writer, writer. My, my brother is an artist and, you know, there's creative people in my family, musician, my father's musician. Um, but writer, I think I'm the, I think I'm the one with that. I got that gene. I don't know. I didn't get the drawing dream. I, can't, I, I draw stick people, <laughs> but I got the writing gene, so. What what's your process like? Do you write early in the morning? Do you go for a bike ride and then write? I don't have a process as such. It's just it's just um, I get an idea. I I play around with it. I, I'm it, it depends on what I'm writing too. Like if I'm writing an article, I get the article. That's different than the process for like like purely creative writing. You know, it's like the article idea is mostly nonfiction, whereas the creative writing is uh, something else. But then there's this kind of um, uh, like some of the blog posts I might write about um, something that happened with Mickey while we're DIYing and stuff. So that would be a combination of the, the nonfiction and the creative writing elements. And that's why I think that um, people are so entertained and compelled by these these stories is because of um, I'm taking like normal everyday things and kind of infusing them with 
my creative my creativity and um i think that's the appeal of these types of stories and so that my style is basically just uh looking at what's actually happening and trying to find a creative way to 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 convey it to the audience an entertaining way or create you know and I, this style has been called uh um creative nonfiction and you know many people have have mastered this style and i read these writers who've done that like um uh, anyway, there's a, there's a, there's several writers who who write like this. I can't think of their names right now, but um, I, I read them and I kind of used to used to um, copy their style, emulate, and then I started developing my own voice and finding my own voice and my own way of doing it, and it's really working out well. So. I'm gonna stick with it. My next book is going to be a collection of these types of creative nonfiction stories about, um, I'm working on a book about Mickey and I building a house and um, her DIYing and just our relationship. Cause it's so, cause I, I found that a lot of the stories I write about Mickey are just so, they've been so um, well received by, by readers. So I'm like, let me just make a whole book about Mickey. Cause she's, she's worthy of a whole book. She's, She's a book dying to be written. So I'm just going to write that that book and, and get that out of my system. And, um, you know, cause I, I, you know, she's kind of jealous because my first book was dedicated to my ex-girlfriend who passed away. She's like, when are you going to write a book dedicated to me? I'm like, all right, it's coming. It's coming. So I got to get that one out. That's awesome. Yeah, um, she's she, great. I love, I love your comments on social media that you said, oh, today I was on NPR. I told Mickey I was on NPR and she said, what's NPR? <laughs> yeah, she's so cute, ain't she? Cause like, <laughs> yeah, but this is how she keeps me grounded. You know, yeah. she, she pretends she doesn't know. I'm like, I'm going to be on BBC tonight. She's like, BBC? What's the BBC? <laughs> so yeah, she's cute. I mean, let's let's talk about that a little bit because sometimes you are a commentator on BBC or NPR, um, right. the radio interview recently. Mm -hmm. What what what? It, how do people find you? Is it through your website or through your Japan Times articles? Well, now I'm on their calling list. You know, whenever there's anything having to do with Japan, they're going to hit me up. But originally, it was because you know, because of the you know Twitter social social media and that kind of thing. My name was always in the the, the media. Plus, you know, I got the column and you know I'm out there. So yeah, my name is out there. So they they got wind of it. Any any enterprising reporter could find my name with no you know it's not hard. Well, so, you've also written for the Washington Post. right. That's, yeah. yeah, I wrote for I wrote for the Washington Post. Yeah about Naomi Osaka and stuff like that. So, yeah, my name is out there. So, you know, it's easy for people to, if they're looking for somebody to com comment on anything having to do with diversity or inclusiveness or, you know, race issues here in Japan, they, they're going to probably come across my name at some point. Yeah, that's great. It's nice to, to have you representing the experience in Japan, I think. This time NPR was asking you about the Black Lives Movement around the world they were doing a feature right right 
Yeah, it was um, it was interesting what they did because it was uh kind of a follow up to you know what's happened with Black Lives Matters and whatnot, and um, it was good. I was able to give them some some good information about how progress is being made over here in Japan. So, and and the role I played in in some of it, and um, I don't know as I as I was talking to them, I was like, oh wow, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah I, I i'm really proud of that stuff you know i, I really feel like um you know a, a lot of progress has been made you know and not just in tokyo and not just you know um in connection with things that i've worked on but you know like you were saying earlier in kansai with ayana and you know in hiroshima and Tokyo, you know there's this black lives matters um branches all over the country you know, it's not even just these two major prefectures, but all over the country, there's different ones that have, that have popped up. So um, it's great, you know, that people would, you know, are, are have been encouraged and inspired to, to to get involved in this, you know. And I was happy to to share that to share that with uh, NPR, and they shared it with the world. So that was great. Yeah. Let's uh, talk about the most recent uh, news that you've commented on about the Chauvin case. Yeah. Yeah. Do what you, about it? You, yeah. <laughs> well, in, in your uh, social media, you said justice is therapeutic, injustice is poisonous. Yeah. And we're going to need a lot more justice to stop expecting injustice to prevail. So are you tentatively hopeful that this is a, a step in the right direction, that things are becoming more sane, or is it hard to hope still? Well, I think like maybe a few days or a week after that story broke, there was another story talking about how um, they're going to, um, in in Minnesota, I'm trying, maybe it was national. I can't remember. Oh my God, I can't remember. But I think it was a national story about they are going to reevaluate some of the... the um, voting. Is it about voting? No, not about voting. It's about police. Uh-huh. And I think the Department of Justice is going to to issue guidelines for police hirings. This is progress, right. you know. And putting putting a, a, a obvious murderer in jail is not progress. You know what I mean? I mean, it's unfortunately, even to have to view that as progress is kind of nauseating. It's you know, really oh, it, it is right. It's like, oh wow, yay! They put him. Freaking obvious murderer in jail, yay! You know, it because the reason that's that's a thing is because so many of them walk. Yeah, it's it's what what everybody has been saying is it it was it was too much to hope that it would obviously happen. That there's been too many cases where it didn't happen, so it was people were still kind of really hoping that justice would prevail. Malcolm, Malcolm X once said, if you if you stab me in my back and you pull the knife out a couple of inches, that's not progress. <laughs> so that's what I see when I see this. This is not progress. This is pulling a knife out of my back a few inches. You know, 
even if you pull the knife completely out of my back, that's not progress. You know what I'm saying? You have to heal the wounds you made with your knife. You know, and this is not healing. This is just, you know. So anyway, the other story was much more healing. That was progress. You know, that they're going to explore ways to make sure that Chauvin's and people like him do not, are not capable of doing that again. They are not in positions of power where they can kill people with, you know, mercilessly like he like he did to, to Mr. Floyd. That was just horrible. So, Awful. yeah. And thank, thank God for that young woman who videoed it because that was the, you know, what people were saying was maybe the only way that he got convicted. Um, I've heard some, some good news from other areas. They're trying to decriminalize and not decriminalize to try to take some of the, the work away from the police. So if it's a mental health call, there's a different social service. If there's a different kind of disturbance, there's a different service that the police are not called for every single type of situation. This, this is what is meant when people were talking about defund the police. They were not, they were not saying that, you know, just let people, you know, run rapid. They were saying, put those funds into other services. You know, send those, let those funds, you know, um, fund these types of uh, organizations, people that address, you know, mental health and domestic di disputes and stuff like that. So you don't have police soldiers down there, you know, come into a domestic dispute with a, you know, a couple of angry, you know, angry couple and wind up killing the husband or killing the wife or something, accidentally killing a child. I mean, it's just kind of crazy the kind of stuff that goes on in the, in the black communities, you know, and yeah. it's definitely avoidable stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. That that that's progress. That's healing it. That that's fixing the problem. Yeah, and hopefully with Black Lives Matter, with the Chauvin conviction, that hopefully steps will be going in the right direction to make these changes and make community at large a bit more healthy in a way that's more healing and everything's not left to the police only. Yeah, it's. I agree. Yep. Yeah. Um, back to Japan and your future projects. Anything coming up besides your audiobook, your translation? You've got a lot going on. Um, are you still teaching as well? Yeah, still teaching too. So, do you, yeah, do I got it. Do you ever teach writing as well? Yeah, I'm actually I'm mentoring a couple of uh writers now. I do want to start a, a writing class. But I wanted to do this mentorship first to just kind of get a feel for how I am as a, I don't know, <laughs> instructor of writing or a motivator. I think I've got some some gifts in that area. So, yeah, I'm thinking about starting a writing class. And if I do that, it'd probably be, well, with this COVID thing, I probably have to do it on live initially but at some point i like to do it in person yeah no Maybe online would be good like a master class writing master class yeah that would be great actually wouldn't it yeah you, well that's you, a good idea you, <laughs> master you, class you've got books under your belt you've got you know a column in japan times i think it's time next step master class wow <laughs> well you, all right you heard it here 
Huh? I did it. Yeah, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna write that down. Masterclass. Because I I see those things every time I go on YouTube. The advert the 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 advertisement for those you know the masterclass and they look so cool. And they got the coolest people every time. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna sign up. I'm gonna sign up. But yeah. um, it's like, so expensive. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, but like what you were saying before about your audience is the foreign audience or the English speaking audience for your books about Japan. And I, I talked to a few authors who have written books about Japan for the international audience. I think there's a lot of writers that you would have a great insight in terms of teaching them to write about Japan in English. So that would be great. Mm, yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> you, don't have, it. You, you don't have to sell it anymore. <laughs> sold, sold. So. Wonderful. Yeah. I'm glad to have an influence on you. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm open to influences from all kinds of sources, so. Because you never know where the next great idea is going to come from. Sometimes you just, you know, you're cooking dinner or you in the bathroom, walking down the street, anywhere I can get the, the inspiration for a great story or a great um, activity to get into. So, yeah, yeah. definitely. I always stay I, open to that. When, when I talked to, I think it was Nick Bradley the other day, and he wrote a book, Tokyo, the Cat in the City, about uh, different stories around Tokyo. It's a great book. And okay. uh, and he was really inspired from living in Japan. Uh, David Mitchell, another author, author who was very inspired from his time in Japan. Um, you know, there's lots, lots of great authors who really have great, interesting, diverse perspectives okay. on on experience in Japan. Uh, oh. There's an environmental writer who's gone back to the states, but she was writing about forest foraging for food winifred bird that's an awesome book okay wow hannah, that sounds awesome hannah kirshner she was writing about living in a small town learning how to grow rice make sake lots of stuff yeah wow these are all in the series you can go back through and watch them okay <laughs> i'll check them out Thank you. Thanks, bye. So thank you so much, bye. This was actually a very long talk because we kind of did it twice. Um, I appreciate your patience and all of your wonderful insights today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. My pleasure. That's awesome. And good luck with the uh, audio version and the translation. I can't wait to see it out in bookstores. Very exciting. Me too. I, you know, all these years I've been here, one of my dreams has been to, to because my, my first two books, they were never in, you know, uh, Kino Kaniya and all that, because they, they were self-published, you know, they were indie published, so they were mostly just available on the internet or through me, you know, but I haven't really had my books in a bookstore, in a traditional brick and mortar kind of shop. So this would be the first time in Japanese. So this is going to be cool. I'm looking forward to this. That would be really fun. And yeah. hopefully when it comes out, uh, the COVID cases are a bit less and you can have some book signing and maybe some events. I hope that would so. be great. Yeah. Well, best of luck. Thank you so much, Baye. And thank you. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining today and uh, having patience with our technical difficulties. And tomorrow morning at 9 a.m., we're talking to Jake Jung, uh, who's a translator for anime and manga games and videos. Very exciting. And he's also a great photographer for the Kagawa area. So that'll be fun to see. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks so much. Bye. All right. Thanks, JJ. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. You can also sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, buy me a coffee, coffee or haps. Have a great day.